Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. Hello, everybody. You have tuned in to the B and E podcast, where artistry meets industry. Today on the show, I actually, you know what? To <laughs> <laughs> anybody, I like that intro. That was fun. To anybody who's like never listened to the podcast, we're like, what the fuck am I? Have I just clicked <laughs> <What>? on? <laughs> Or maybe now you're wondering what did that. I just turn on what to the, this guy sounds exactly like me. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they were thinking. Or you just talk like one of those late night radio hosts. <laughs> yeah. Coming up next, we've got a great little jam by the one and only Thelonious Monk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, we're not doing that. Uh, we're doing our not so serious thing today. We're not so uh, serious. Um, and, uh, so yeah, we got no topic. We're gonna, we're just gonna start ripping on something here. Um, start poking and prodding on some, some ideas, probably pertaining to what's going on in our lives. See where that leads us to. Absolutely. Because we like that. That's, uh, very often how the whole creative artistic process goes. So why not do that in a podcast? Mm-hmm. Can be fun. And uh, if you know anything about the show, we're always trying to find the balance between artistry and industry. Yes. And I think these not-so-serious days are kind of the artistry talk in in the way we do it, whereas the topical ones where we pick a topic is more industry. Because, like, you know, I think industry wants us to kind of know what we're doing going into it, kind of having a plan, kind of being clear on where you're going. Artistry is more like, let's go explore, (laughs) you know, let's go try this out and see what happens. And so like, you know, we, we do kind of two different types of talks on, on this day, we do a not so serious day, which is more artistry, like the artistry of having a conversation about artistry. And then the, the other talk is topical. So it's the industry of having a talk about artistry and industry. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of cool. And you know, it's funny, man, we've done, um, probably what, I mean, like half of them. So 50, 60 of these, maybe even more, um, 70 actually. No, no, almost. Well, no, cause we no, didn't, no. we didn't start 60. the not so serious thing right away. That okay, was something so we fell into. Yeah. So about 60 talks, 50, yeah. 60 talks have been, uh, not so serious. And out of the 50, 60 that we've had, they all seem to kind of work out. They all seem to lead somewhere. Yep. And it's always kind of a surprise to us, but yet it always seems like it almost, I remember we had to tell people, we were like, let's start telling people that this isn't so serious. Cause it seems like we already knew what we were getting into, but we yeah. didn't, it was a surprise to us. Yeah. So that was kind of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, how's, how's things? What's, what's going on in the world of the Schultz? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Schulte is his last name. Um, yeah, I know. I was going to say, I'm like, God, every, like so many people already screw that up because like, there's so few Schultes. Hmm. It's a lot. There's a lot of Schultz hmm. with the, with the Z at the end of it or Z uh. if you were in America. <laughs> um, 
there's so many, there's so many Schultzes and I think there's some other types that are similar, but yeah, mine's kind of like not quite as common, at least in this part of the world. Um, some people, never mind my rambling here. Uh, <laughs> but what's been going on for me? Um, I don't, I, I've been sort of like where you and I were part of this, um, uh, we have a group that we went and we did a class together and we continue to get together, hmm. um, and have meetings and do check-ins and we set goals with each other. And, um, and, you know, and, and our last one was really cool. Like it was, uh, for me, it was important. You actually helped, helped me realize, you know, I wanted to use that forum to set my goals as being creative ones as opposed to necessarily being practical ones. Um, I mean, you can do whatever you want as far as I know in our group, but you know, to be able to just like actually set just creative goals. And, uh, for this week or for these next couple of weeks, one of my things has been to, um, at least sketch out the lyrics and the full arrangement for a song idea that I have. So it's like something that I'm excited about, but also like, I've got a little bit of like, I'm a little anxious about it too, because it's one of those things that I like, I, I, I put so much pressure on it, hmm. you know, just like, like, Oh, but I want it to be so goddamn good. Like I want it to be like amazing. Um, but this is kind of good because it's forcing me just to do it. Hmm. You know, not that I'm being forced to, but if I don't do it, I'll be coming into the group saying like, I didn't do what I had set out to do. Yeah. Uh, and not like everybody's going to like really beat me up for it, but, uh, it still helps to create just that certain sense of, of urgency behind it. And for me to also be like, well, don't make it quite so precious, like sit down and work on it. Like really, sincerely work on it. Like don't throw it away, but don't get too stressed out about it being perfect. Mm. So I, I, that's, I think where the excitement is, is I'm, is I'm excited to see where some of that goes. And in general, I've been finding like, I've been, um, recording little like song sketches a lot more often these days. Like I've just been coming across some sort of an arrangement or some chords or some, a melody or something. And I'm just like, Oh, I really like that. I'll, and then I'll just record it on my phone. I'll give like a little sort of talk beforehand. Say it's like, okay, this is sort of the key that I'm in. Maybe a general just idea of what I'm doing. And then I'll just play it. And then, so I've got all of these little, like, you know, couple minutes or whatever of like these little song ideas that I have and having a great time doing it too. So now it's the lyrics part of it, which is like the, (laughs) for me, that's like the toughest part is like putting words to the music. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause for me, it's like the music is somehow it's like the music kind of takes me by surprise in some ways. Like it's, it's like, I just stumble upon like a chord and I'm like, Oh, that's really nice. I'm like, what could come after this chord? Right. And then I'll figure it out. Next thing you know, I found like kind of a little melody and it's like, Oh, that's really great. Mm. And, and I feel like I've got a sense of distance from it. Like I have, like, I'm, I'm not so attached to it when I'm coming up with the music because 
it just seems to kind of happen. Right. And then suddenly now I've got to put words to it and it's like my ego is stepping into it. Like, it's like, all right, I'm getting involved in this. Now we've got to put words to this. We've (laughs) got to put good words to this. It's got to sound smart, but it's got to be emotional. It's got to move people. (laughs) And it's got to, and it's just like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? Yeah. It's a lot of pressure. So I think that, I don't know how it's going to happen. I think that I, I, and from working with, um, one of our old guests, Shane, Shane Martin, who's been recording a new EP and he's been recording a bunch of stuff with, uh, with some musicians and stuff. He actually told me a really cool story. He met like this musician who won this really big national competition recently. Didn't even realize this person. He was just kind of flirting with this really like cute girl (laughs) (laughs) and who was a musician who was playing busking basically. And, uh, and then just found out who they were and he's getting together with them to like, make some music and stuff. Right. But it's, uh, anyhow, Shane is, uh, from getting to watch him make some music and and put things together and, and have my own input with it. Uh, I started to realize like, uh, a way that I, I worked with making music, like with them, they were already like putting together like words, you know, like kind of some with, with the melody, they would kind of find like a little sort of wordplay that would fit on top of it. For me, it's interesting. My, my thought was listening to the music is impressions. Like, it's like, this is what I kind of feel like I get this image or I get this sensation from, from this music, right. From how this sounds, it's like, it's kind of like this. Mm. And so it's like, I get this sort of like ambiguous, like thing that's like emotional, to me. So I, I think I'm like, I've got an under, a new understanding of how this might work for me hmm. or how songwriting might work for me. Hmm. Yeah. That's great. Which yeah. is like a little bit different from how it kind of works for, for, for them. Right. You know, when I was watching them work. Oh, cool. Well, I guess that's, I guess that's part of the whole process is you kind of start to find what works for you and, and, and how you work. Someone was asking me about that the other day. They were asking me because I've been stumbling across all this great folk rock music. I mean, you kind of started it with me uh, with uh, a beggar in the morning from what were they called? Uh, uh, beggar the, in the, the, the brothers. The bar oh, brothers? the bar brothers. bar brothers. Yeah. So you kind of they're so good. So we started uh, finding music for the film on the highway. Then yeah. you kind of pushed me into the bar brothers, or kind of encouraged me to look into them. Then the bar brothers led me to a bunch of other musicians. And then those musicians just led me down the path of this folk rock stuff. Yeah. And I've been finding all these gems. And what's really cool about it is a lot of the music I'm finding is not very mainstream. It's, it's like, but once you kind of open a path of stuff, like, like a kind of my, my, my search is kind of through YouTube, but what will end up happening is YouTube will lead me into more stuff. They're like, Oh, you like this? So here's a bunch of compilations of this. Yeah. And so I've been going down the road. I've been collecting all these songs. And one of my friends recently asked me, they said, Hey, like, um, you, you, you know, here's a song, let's, let's share songs. And so I started sharing a list of songs that I found and they were like, Holy crap, these are incredible. Like, like, like I want to know all of your song lists. And I'm like, I've literally just been stumbling across this stuff. And so we've been asking each other questions about music and they're like, so how do you, like, how do you find music? How do you interpret it? Like Mm. what, what is, and for me, I, as I, it's interesting because they ask me questions and I'm like, well, uh, 
for me, it always starts with the, the, the general sound. It's this, it's this feeling I get from the sound and the instruments that yeah. I use. And then from there, if I, if, if, if I'm tuning into that, if I'm getting a feeling from that, then I start listening to the lyrics. And if the lyrics are also good, it even like amplifies how much I like the song. Yeah. If the lyrics are not great, then I'm kind of like, okay, that was like temporarily felt something and then not so much. And so it's been interesting as we've been sharing back, back and forth songs, but I'm not a musician, but I'm kind of like, I'm getting better at the guitar and I'm starting to kind of find musically what I like and how I kind of find my own sound. Right. And for me right now, it's kind of interesting with, uh, I'm, I'm nowhere at your level, but I'm finding like when I play the guitar, I'm, I'm playing for a, a general kind of sound feel. And then right. what, like, remember we had Matt Cairns on and he was talking yeah. about the melody. Right. And for me, it's kind of like that. Like I, like I like to find a certain sound and then and then that kind of informs me what I might like want to sing to it. And like, mm. I mean, I, I'll walk around my house and I'll sing to myself and I'll kind of make up lyrics and stuff like that. But it always starts with some type of melody I found. Yeah. And what's interesting to me about music is I'm not really a musician and I'm not like technically that great at it yet, but I am finding kind of a musician in me, you know, I'm finding yeah. this, this art of music. So the path you're on is very intriguing to me because you're actually pursuing it going down that road. I mean, I think you're going to have a bunch of amazing discoveries because mm-hmm. who knows how you work, you know, like, yeah. I think like, cause my friend, they work much more, they don't work quite like that. Their mind works much more like I want to hear some lyrics that kind of tie me into the story. And the, the sound is kind of secondary. Almost. Yeah. They want to hear a message in the lyrics more. So I, I think that the artistry of this is telling me like everybody takes music in very differently. And so, you know, you might have an audience that doesn't like your sound or doesn't like your, your music, but it it might be because they interpret music in a different way than you do. And so you shouldn't put so much pressure on yourself to have everybody like it because music is taken in in a very different way and, and created in a very different way. And so like, for you, you're kind of like you, 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 what you have is the technical skill on the guitar, but you're just now embarking on seeing what you can do with that. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting, right? Yeah. Cause I don't even have the technical skill. I can't even like you, but you can actually play the guitar. Like for me, like I can play like several chords and then I'm like, okay, let's see, yeah. you know, but even with several chords, you just know a couple of chords you can <clears throat> like, you can do all sorts. And that's one thing that I had to like realize is that because it's like, I, you know, in, in my head, my ego wants to say, it's just like, oh, it needs to be, you know, have all of this complexity. It needs to have, you know, like it needs to, you know, all of these, all of this shit that like, you know, I'm telling myself it, it has to be like this, or it should be like this in order to be good. Right. Um, and we've had enough conversations on this podcast for me to, <laughs> to realize that that whole notion of, oh, it should be this or, you know, like to be good. It's like, well, I know that that's all just kind of like, that's a giant myth. You know, the whole idea of whether it's good or not is a myth for me. It's, and I think in many ways, having done this podcast and having done as many episodes as we have and what we've discovered about the creative process, these things that we continually, that continually come up, um, from different artists, you know, like that just seem to be tying together about the whole, 
creative, the whole, the way that that all unfolds Hmm. has helped me to actually do this because I've tried to write songs like years and years and years ago. And, and I always hated it. I always hated everything that I ever wrote down, came up with. It was just like, and again, sometimes actually like the, the, the chords and the melodies that I came up with, I, I still hold up. Mm. I still really like them, but it was every single time I tried to put the words to it. And, and it was, yeah, it was always these things about like being like this idea of it has to be, be good or it has to be a certain thing. And, um, and now I'm learning to, to let that go a little bit. I mean, it's still difficult just because it's an unknown thing. And just because of the way that I am, uh, I don't necessarily cut myself a lot of breaks. It doesn't matter if I'm not practiced or experienced at doing it. It's like, if, if I'm going to do it, I'm like, I, it, it's gotta be the best. <laughs> like it's gotta be, it's gotta be so damn good. Hmm. Uh, and it's, it's, it has stopped me from doing things. Um, but I mean, it, it's a double edged sword because it, I think if you have a mind like that, it can push you to, to do really great work, but then it can be a really defeating process as well because you're never ever satisfied with anything you ever do. Mm. So, um, I am more excited about this than I've ever been about because I feel like there's, I have a sense of like, Oh, you know what? I might actually be able to do something like this. And also out of a sense of curiosity about the whole thing. It's a creative process that I've never really done before. Hmm. And now realizing that it's like, you know, like letting go of some of this good, this notion of it has to be good. Um, is a little bit because I I don't even know what that is because for me, it's like, well, if the, if the melody is pleasant to me, if I enjoy the melody, if I like the, what that's come up with, well then that's for me, that's like the biggest part that I've achieved there. So if I like that now, the words, like I want, I, I do want the words to be, to have a certain kind of poetry to them. I do want them to have a certain kind of feeling, but to be able to say, it's like, okay, well, what does this stir in me? What is the actual honest thing that I want that, that wants to express itself through this music? So that's really interesting in terms of learning and trying to find like an, an authentic voice within it, right? Like something that's mine. It's almost like some, it, it is a brand new thing, finding a voice in me that I've that I've never really listened to before hmm. necessarily. I like in that. A, new a, way. a voice inside of you you've never really listened to. And there's a song right there. <laughs> yeah, it could be, you know, sing about, sing about creating a song. Yep. You know, there's something there. I, I, you can write a song about it. There's a great, sorry to cut you off yeah. here. There's a really terrific, um, movie called Frank. It's up. Frank? On, I think okay. it's still up on Netflix great cast in it. Like Domhnall Gleeson, uh, is in it. Who's been in a ton of stuff, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Michael Fassbender, and a bunch of other actors. If you saw the face, you're like, Oh yeah, I've seen them. It's this great little independent flick about like this bizarre band led by this guy named Frank who wears this weird, like paper mache helmet of like this face. 
it's oh, really? Yeah, it's just giant. Oh, I feel like I saw that. And yeah, it's so good because like it has Donald Gleason's guy like character is like kind of a more, you know, like your average average musician who somehow stumbles his way into filling in, like for this band who is just so like crazy creative and out there. And he's trying to like fit in with them and he has such a hard time writing songs. So he's like playing his stuff for them. And then they're like, okay. Cause it's not like fantastic. And then there's this one scene where Frank's like, you can write a song about absolutely anything. And he writes this, he's like, take this rug for example. And there's like this rug or something with like this little piece of fabric that's that's coming up and he starts putting this music and these words together for this piece. And it's like, just so beautiful. <laughs> and you just see him being like, fuck, like, I can't believe it. Yeah. He's like, you can write a song about anything, man. That's, you know, it's funny. As long as it's, it's honest. It's funny that we're kind of on this train actually, because I've been finding that with screenwriting. You could write a story about anything. Yeah. And it, it really is. Can you find the story in it, you know, can you find the thing in it? And, uh, and that's kind of, you know, this last, uh, script that I wrote there has kind of opened up this Pandora's box of all these stories that have kind of been shoved to the corner because of like, Oh, well that story is just like, who, who cares? It's like kind of been done or it's maybe too common or maybe no one would care about that. Right. But I'm finding that a lot of the stories that are what I kind of in many ways kind of pushed off to the side are actually some of the best stories that I have more so than these like bigger concept ones. Yeah. And, um, I think music is kind of the same way. It's kind Mm -hmm. of like you can just sing about your experience. And I, I don't know, I I got my kind of trend right now that I'm on more is that it's more important that it comes from some place of truth than it does (laughs) your craft, your creative about it. Yeah. You know, because I think about like, I think about the young artist, right? The person who maybe hasn't had a lot of life experience. And so they're like, well, I need to go out in the world and get all this life experience. And yeah, go, go live, go experience life, go fall in love, get your heart broken, have a best friend, feel betrayal, do all that stuff. But in the meantime, (coughs) don't make that an excuse not to create, because I think that there's a lot of stories to tell. You know, I, I've written a few stories when I was younger and I never really developed them because I didn't really know like much further than writing the first 30 something pages and then kind of abandoning them, which is very common for screenwriters when they start, because we just don't, we don't know enough structure and stuff. And so yeah. you kind of just lose your way. But, um, there was something really authentic about the scripts. I kept all those scripts and there's something really true because I was just writing about things that I knew. And I look back and I'm like, there's something really good about this, but I never knew to appreciate it. Yeah. And so I would think that for you venturing into this part of your music, I think as long as you're being truthful about what you're doing, I, I honestly don't think you can go wrong. I think you'll come up with something that's really profound. I mean, there was that woman, her agents wanted her to write a love song, remember? And she wrote it, became super famous. And she said, I won't write a love song. Her song was about not writing a love song. And that was her truth. And it was like a really, I think a really decent song. But I think what made it so decent is that she did it really honestly. You know, she came by it very like, this is like, I don't want to write a love song. I want to, yeah. you know, so I'm going to write about not wanting to write a love song. So, I mean, you know, I think your ego is going to tell you like, you can't write a song about your ego. You can't write a song about not being able to write a song. Yeah. But like, maybe that's where your song is. And I think you should, I, I my personal opinion, 
and I'm not a musician and I don't know anything, but <laughs> I would say go back out into the forest. And the first <laughs> thing that comes to your mind about what you don't even question it, just be like, okay, like if there's some kind of call and it might sound absolutely ridiculous, go follow that path. Yeah. Cause I think if you do that, it will demystify this good enough thing right away. Yeah. You know, cause I think that's what happened for me when I wrote the script. Cause I was, I wanted to write a script that was about a guy and a girl. I wanted to write this story and I, I kept putting it off, kept putting it off. And I had some other ideas about it, you know, in the past, but then this one came along and I, and it could have very easily put it off again. I don't know why I was called to write it so much. Maybe it's this time in my life. But after I wrote it, I was like, whoa, I don't need to think so hard. I don't need to try so hard on making like a good, you know, like I don't need to try so hard on concept. Yeah. And what's really interesting to me is I pitched the story to a lot of people now and every single person has been like, can I read the script? I'm interested, which I don't know if like, I don't know if that resonates with people on the other end of this, but as a screenwriter, that's a big deal. Most people won't read your shit. (laughs) Yeah. You know, no matter how hard you try, when people request reading your shit, usually means something you did something right. Yeah. So funny is this story when I started writing, it kind of seemed like, Oh, it's just about a guy and a girl. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I think that people also really respond to the passion that you have in talking about it too. It's just like, Whoa, there's something like, there's something like, it is a great concept. Like it is a really great, like, like simple, but like relatable, like very impactful, compelling story. Right. And, and when you have, have like the, the sort of the passion and the fire for it, I mean, that's definitely a big part of what people are buying into as well. Yeah. You're right about that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it is it's because like you are a fantastic teacher of, of storytelling and, you know, you teach people how to write scripts and how to write stories and how, how to structure and because you've really immersed yourself into that. Mm. And I think it's a very interesting thing about this whole, you know, technical versus, um, I won't even say versus, but this whole, you know, that, that push and pull, you know, artistry industry, you know, the, the, the technical and the artistic, side of any art, uh, is that like, I think technique is very important. Learning technical skills is very important. And and I think it, there is a value even in immersing yourself into the technical aspect of what you do, Mm. really getting to know these things. Um, I think my big issue always, always, always with with technique and, and those skills is always the level of importance that's given to it. Mm. It's like, no, it's important that you really know these things like, because they can definitely help you. Yeah. But the problem becomes when with so many artists I find is that it becomes about the technique, what they do becomes about how they do it. Right. It's like, and, and and it's like, it's, it's so fucking trivial to the, what makes art necessary, you know, to the, why we, we create art, not just as individuals, but like on the grand scale of things, why we even fucking do it. Mm. The how of it is so fricking trivial. 
it's, it's secondary, but it gets like, it gets very often, I think, you know, placed up on the, on the throne as being like, yeah, you've got to know like these technical things. And when you do these, it'll be art. It's like, no, it's not. Yeah. You can check every fucking box, technical box that there is and create a, a completely uninspired, you know, piece of shit. Yeah. That nobody gives, gives a crap about. Cause there's it's, always, yeah. there's, it's gotta have, it's gotta have that, that art side. It's gotta have that inspiration. It's gotta have that something that is, there's a purity and the authenticity, which we talk about so much. Like it's, it's got to have that truth element to it. And when it has though, when it has a truthful element to it, we can overlook so many things. I know I can watch a film and, and be like, yeah, it wasn't perfect. Like it wasn't like, was it the most amazing thing I've ever seen? No, but I'll still go, but you know what? I really loved it. Mm because there was something in it that I was like, there was something that was so you could tell it was made with like, just fucking love. Mm. Like that translates, you know, into the finished product, you know, at the end of all of it, it's like, you can tell that the person who sat down and like wrote that script and then the people who came together to make it, who, who made the shots, who acted in it, who directed in it, who did all of like, there was, there was love that was in there. Mm. It comes through. And when that comes through, so much of the technical stuff doesn't even matter anymore. It's like, yeah, yeah. You broke rules. You broke laws that are, I, I, I didn't notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I think, I think the other thing too is like structure is very much from a writing point of view and maybe even from a musical point of view is very industry. You know, it's very like, how does this all fit together? You know, all skateboarders booting by. <laughs> <laughs> Got the windows open yeah, hot day. Summertime. Summertime. Well, uh, not quite just about just is about. It, yeah. It's not even summer yet. Not technically. But it feels like summer. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Um, so, uh, yeah. So I mean, um, the, you know, technical, I, I don't think you should totally ignore technical, but technical is more the industry side of it. But then there's this whole artistry side of it. And it's, it's really is the balance, like having both. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, regardless, you know, when I, I've just been finding, I just been finding that there's the stories and the things inside are a lot simpler than, than maybe, um, I've made them out to be and about keeping things keeping things really grounded in that. And, you know, from that place, you know, everything kind of fits. I'm in my new model of screenwriting. It's always evolving. I'm always adapting. Yeah. I still That's use the, I still use the timeless method that I teach other people, but I've now I've kind of, and I, and I knew eventually I would improve upon this one, but now my new thing is, um, to, to start with structure and have this kind of I found this kind of combination between structure and character where I develop character to a certain point. It's, it's, it's almost a structure of character. Mm-hmm. But once I understand the character, it answers a lot of the questions that right. the story needs. So, um, my pursuit has been more in character driven stories because as I went down the road of writing sci-fis and doing all this other stuff, I started to go down the road of structure and I don't know if you can necessarily write 
like commercially viable scripts without having some form of structure. Yeah. But that the structure is, it needs to be informed by the characters as opposed to the characters informed by the structure. Mm. If I yeah. could say that, like basically the, this is the key thing I've realized about screenwriting. Let the characters inform the structure, not the structure inform the characters. And I think when the, when the structure informs the characters, you'll quickly run into problems because you'll, you'll, you'll still get through probably, but you actually, you'll probably get through because structure will always carry you through in a certain, in a certain kind of way. Yeah. But you'll probably end up with a lackluster product. But if you let the characters inform the structure, you might be surprised by how the structure changes, but you'll probably end up with a more profound piece, I think. Right. Because I think there's something about it. It's like characters when they're well thought out and they're felt out, I should say, Mm -hmm. they don't lie. You know, I think if you, if you are too crafty about characters where you're like, Oh, like I'm going to like treat character, like I'm going to manipulate character. Like I did characters. This is how I do character. And uh, maybe this would help those screenwriters out there. But I took this one character, the female character, this last story. And, um, I was really concerned because I didn't actually think she'd be that strong, but I actually think she's the strongest character of the, of the bunch. And, but, uh, she, um, I wanted a couple things. I wanted her, her physically to challenge some type of beauty thing with women. So I wanted her to have a scar of some sort. Um, right now it's on her face. It might be on her chest. She might have like, I might change it to like open heart surgery. Like she has Mm. a big line down the middle of her chest or, um, I'll put some type of faint scar on her face. I'm not quite sure what it'll be, but something that kind of, um, she like some people would think to hide, but she doesn't. And it kind of makes it more beautiful. Mm. The other thing is I wanted to make her, um, I wanted her to have this, uh, I didn't want her to kind of like fall into like, uh, I don't know, typical, the way women are typically written in film. Mm. And so one of the ways that that kind of happened was I was writing this story and, and I needed a reason why they had broken up in the first place. And so I decided that her father didn't really like him. And so I was like, okay, well, let's amplify this. And like, maybe her mom had passed away when she was young. And so she grew up a lot with her dad. And so her dad became kind of this savior a little bit for her, mm. like this person that she really bonded with. And so what he says kind of goes, but unfortunately his own limitations were something that kind of misguided her in her life. She never followed her heart. She followed too much what their dad said, which right. is part of the reason why they went astray, you know, and never really worked out. And so this played perfectly into the story. I don't even know how to, I don't know, like when you read the script and whatever, when people see the movie, they'll understand what I mean, but it's like these little things. I, you don't know what they're going to do, but then they do something brilliant in the story because they inform what the structure will be. Yeah. And like, you know, um, his powerlessness of trying to love this woman when her father didn't like him and was maybe not so subtle about it with him personally and how hard that was for him to be like, to, to love this woman and have her father be like, you're not good enough for my daughter kind of thing, Mm. you know? And, and, and this for him was very difficult for him to kind of like defy because she looked up to him so much and, and listened to everything he said. And so, you know, 
it's like he was in a relationship with someone who wasn't actually free. They weren't actually available because she wasn't, no, don't get me wrong. She wasn't like sexually involved with her dad or anything. <laughs> yeah. Her father was such an important part of her life. And so as this all starts to come on the story, you go, Oh, it all makes sense. Why they didn't work out the first yeah. time. And who knows if they ever will now, because they each have to get over their stuff. But that's the interesting thing. The characters lives inform the story. Yeah. So, you know, I think when you come up with, when I come up with bigger concepts, cause I'll be working on bigger concept stuff eventually, but this, these lessons I'm learning about character will inform those bigger concepts in a really cool way. Yeah. But I mean, you look back at star Wars, I mean, star Wars is a very character driven, high concept story. Totally. You know? And so people look at star Wars and they go, and, and I think the confusion is that we look at star Wars and we think star Wars is great because it was one of a kind. It was this concept but really, if you break it all down, it's about sons and fathers and sisters and friends. And it's really about so much more on the human level than it is about the, the star war space. Yeah. Of it, you know, it's the backdrop. Yeah. 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 The star Wars is the backdrop yet. It's the title. And so people confuse that as being the focus. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's, um, I don't know. You know, I think it's, it's the creation of art needs to come from much more humbler, simpler things. Yeah. I think it needs to come from a place of like, we don't need to be so impressed with ourselves in the beginning. (laughs) You know what I mean? We just need to follow our heart a little more. Yeah. That's my thought. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I'm totally think less, think less, feel more. Yeah. 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 Think less, feel more. Absolutely. Yes. But you're, you're absolutely right. As far as what I understand and, and would say I've consistently seen in like really quality made, um, you know, movies or series or whatever is, is like character, like, yeah, great plot is good. But like when you have great characters who really you know, they do, they dictate, especially when you look at like, like something like a, a series that has like retained it's like a high level of like whatever it does, like of, of just quality. Um, for many, many years, you'll typically notice that it's like, it's because there's great characters hmm. and you kind of basically end up seeing how the characters really do dictate the storylines. The characters really do dictate the plots. I mean, and, and very often writers of like long series will eventually say it's like, we only had it planned up to so far. Right. Right. And then after that, but they had enough time with the characters and they'd had time to see the actors really embody these roles. And you start to go, well, what would be an interesting situation to put this person into, Mm. you know, what, how would they respond? And then you're kind of like, you're really so much of the creative process is trying on an idea and seeing the response of it. Mm-hmm. Like what would the response be to that? Just trying things on what if, right? All of these, what if things, what would that look like? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've been watching, uh, I just started because the third season of bloodline just went up on Netflix and I was like, holy shit, I haven't even watched a second season. Yeah. I'm only partway through it. And yeah. <laughs> and I've, I loved, loved, loved the first season of bloodline. Like 
if you're an actor on the other end of this, that show is like a freaking masterclass. Yeah. Like it's that on, first season. For that sure. first season is just, Oh, there were, there were scenes in there that was just, I think even in the first episode of bloodline, there's this scene that goes on with like three of the siblings when they discover that one of them is coming, coming home or something like that. And there's like just this dialogue that's going on. I I think there might be even more, there might be other family members involved, but it's just like you, like you're watching this like dialogue happening and it's like, you see where everybody fits. Yeah. Like you just see how everybody, what everybody was like in that family. And so I just like watched the first episode of the second season and I'm just like, I'm right back like into these characters and it's just so like beautifully, beautifully performed by all these actors. It's just, just phenomenal, just phenomenal. Cause they all have like these things about them. That and show you, is very character driven. Yeah. And that's in a, in like a not like not, not a caricaturistic way. No. Right. Like I've also been watching a lot of shameless right now, which I've been loving. Yeah. There's a little bit of caricature in it. I feel like it's like, don't get me wrong. The performances are extraordinary, but I think because they're like a dark comedy, there's this sort of this, there's this heightened sense of everything. Whereas with bloodline, everything's kind of like, really, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, Bloodline is more grounded. It's super grounded. I mean, they, they take, it's uncomfortably grounded at points. It's very real. Yeah. Like shameless is a little bit above reality, you know? Yeah. And it's good for its style. And the actors are fantastic, but I get what you mean. I mean, there's certain shows that perform at a different kind of yeah. heightened reality. And I think that, uh, it doesn't make it better or, or worse or anything. Cause no. it's like, it's still such an incredible, incredible show. I think anything, that is compelling and moving and emotional and stuff, but yeah, totally. Sorry. I think anything that's heightened reality is a little more caricature, not at the fault of anybody, but that that's kind of the style it needs to be. Like, yeah, when I look Cause at, it wouldn't work if yeah. it wasn't that way. When I look at like Wes Anderson stuff, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, that's very caricature, but they do it. So honestly, even though it's like out of what reality is like, we like, they're kind of in like another universe, yeah, you know, exactly, like yeah. you're just watching like in a Quentin Tarantino movie, it's like kind of in its own universe. It's you still know, character driven though. Still, yeah, absolutely. Like, at, like it's hard. Absolutely. I'm trying to think of a story where it isn't character driven. I mean, even Wolf on Wall Street, character driven. Yeah. You know, Fight Club, character driven. I'm, th- I'm thinking, uh, you know, it's, it's usually the movies that are very like um, surfacy and they don't last with you that aren't really yeah. character driven. I mean, it's interesting because like I've, I read um, uh, a book Scorsese uh, is like inter conversations with Scorsese or something yeah. like that. And, and he talked and Martin Scorsese talked about, uh, when he takes on a project and he actually looks to see what's the more, he, he looks at whether it's plot or character hmm. that is driving most of the story. I mean, I feel like he always has like both of those elements going, but like with something he said, like with the departed, he said that was something for him. He's like, that's a plot driven story. Oh. Like, like there's definitely extraordinary characters in it, but I could uh, sort of understand what he meant because the departed is so like meticulously, like there's, 
there's all of these moving pieces that are happening in it. The characters are important in terms of like, because they do motivate those plot points. Like they kind of create these situations to happen. Right. Right. But yeah, it's very much like you kind of have to have these things in order for it to have the effect that it does because, because it's, it's one of those like movies where you watch it and it's, and I don't know, like it's, it's, everything has to be just so like, cause the payoff has to be where it goes necessarily right. as opposed to what happens to the characters. Cause in a weird way, the characters all had to be somewhat disposable. Right. That's interesting. You know, I, uh, Scorsese also apparently said that, um, he never has created a story with plot. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, although maybe, I mean, that might've been before they departed, but, um, but yeah, I mean, if you look at a lot, if you look at mean streets, it's all character driven. It's almost yeah. too character driven. It's almost kind of random. You're right. Kind of almost like what we're <laughs> here now. Um, but, uh, you know, um, I think, I think that I don't think pl- like plot is a bad thing. I think sometimes it gets a bad rap. I think what happens is no plot's a great thing. Plot sometimes just gets put too much focus because you don't have enough character to back it up. It's like, uh, you know, but if you have you, I think you always want to have more character development than you do plot. And then you're kind of like, okay. But I also think that character development is a really dangerous game because you can get into like so much detail about character that's not usable. And I think that what happens is for amateur writers, they go, Oh, they write their first script. They do this major character development. And then their script ends up being like very expository and nonsensical and doesn't work or it just gets lost or whatever. And they go, but I thought it was supposed to be character driven or I thought, you know, whatever. And the reason why that happened was it gets expository because you tried to include all the information in your character. Mm. Like you develop the character and you share like 5% of that. You don't share it all. Like it's something that never gets talked about. And it's like, it's there, you know it, but most people never see it. And I think that amateur writers try to show all their work. Mm -hmm. Whereas the difference between an amateur and a professional or paid professional really is you figure out that you only show a small, tiny fraction of the work you do. Yeah. And that's, I don't think that's just for writers. I think that all artists kind of struggle with that. At least that's at least at one point. Is, is, I think we all struggle with it. Yeah. yeah we want to show, like, we wanna show we our work, you know, especially after you, you start to learn all of these technical things, right? And it's like, I want to show what I've learned. Um, and yeah, it's like, you know, to kind of come back a little bit, I think it's really important to a degree that we immerse ourselves in, in the technical things in order so that we know it, but it's important that we always then step back out of it. Right. You know, like you, because yeah, the trap is, is that you stay stuck in, in the technical science. Like it's like, no, know it, know it really well, like really learn your craft, but then, but then come out of it. Hmm. Like you've almost, you've got to almost completely forget about it so that you can then actually do something that is original and authentic because craft and technique will never ever teach you how to be real and how to be authentic and how to be honest and truthful. 
and vulnerable and all of these things that are essential. Hmm. It can never, ever do any of those things. And that's the most important shit, you know, but we spend so much time, you know, as students of our art, like talking about and, and focusing on, on technique. I might right? say, it's like, I might say that cares. Yeah. I might say that craft and technique is really, they're just refinements. They're yeah. not, they're not really like they're, they're not really like the, the bulk of it. Like, you know, like I think that's the trouble with a lot of these acting schools that I've been to when I first started is that you take an actor who hasn't built basic foundational skills and you teach them technique and craft. And instead of building the foundations, they try to use the craft and technique to cover up the fact they don't have foundations, but they don't even know they're not they're They're doing that. Right. Yeah. And I think like writing's the same way. Like when I started writing, I never, I had one book. It's called screenwriting 101. And the reason why I picked it up was because actually when I first started writing, and I hadn't read even a single book. I just started writing stories and they actually seemed to work pretty well, mm-hmm. ironically. But then I picked up my first book. And the reason why I picked up this book called screenwriting 101, which I don't remember the, the writer at the moment, but, um, I, I still have his book, but his book actually tells you how to, how to format a script, which is really what I needed because right. I didn't have screenwriting software. And, um, I mean, I didn't really know how easy it was to get, but at the time being like a 17 year old, 16 year old kid getting my hands on 250 bucks for a screenwriting program <laughs> was difficult. You yeah. know, it was just not like that. That was a lot of money to me. Um, so I learned, and it was kind of a point of pride to me too, but I learned how to, uh, actually structure out a script from this book. And he gave some basic principles about how to write a script. But for the most part, um, I found that the, the, it's really the foundations of being able to build character, being able to have a couple people talk and, um, David Mamet's doing this master class right now. My buddy just did it. Mm. But in one of the things he says in the master class, um, at least in the commercial, and my buddy says it's really good. Mamet just it does a lot of good stuff. But Mamet says something about getting two people to sit across from each other in two chairs and be able to have a conversation. I feel like as a writer, that's probably the most important thing you can do is can you just have two people sit down and have an interesting conversation by just talking? And I think when I say interesting too, for the writers out there, the people that are, you know, doing this or thinking about doing this or want to find their work, it, it doesn't have to be as interesting as you think. Interesting. I think when people say interesting in writing is, is like, is it real? Is it something where, where they're naturally talking and things are coming up? And I think the way that happens is you don't force things. You don't try to make the character say something like, like even when we're having a conversation right now, we can switch the subject to some degree, but we're mostly still waiting for our window, looking how to respond. Like when you started and you were sharing about music in the, in the beginning there, there were several points that came up where I was like, Oh, we could go down that road. We could go down this road. We go down this road. There's so many things that you just mentioned, but I can only really pick one. Where we're going, we don't need (laughs) roads. Exactly. (laughs) And eventually you said something and then I kind of, I kind of, um, commented on a certain part of the conversation and then it directed us a certain way. Yeah. Dialogue in a script is like that. The character might have a monologue and then the other character responds. They don't respond to everything that happened in the monologue. They respond to either something in the monologue 
or something that wasn't even said in the monologue, but was going on. And, and that's, and that's hard sometimes for a writer to just make a decision yeah. and not let like, cause so much shit has to be put on a shelf. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause so, people say so much stuff and we have to put so much so, light on the shelf and like pick one thing. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, so I'm going to, we talked a, a few episodes back about, we had a, quite a bit of like conversation around Quentin Tarantino. Um, just as kind of like a bouncing board for some ideas, but it's like, you know, you, that, that opening conversation in Reservoir Dogs where they're talking about like a virgin right at the table, like mm. the song, like a virgin. Yeah. And you know, some people's like, like, we're like, Oh, that's a really interesting con- conversation. So somebody will like write something. It's like, Oh yeah, I'm going to put some weird conversation like that. It's like, you know, Quentin Tarantino didn't write that conversation because he thought it was interesting. He wrote it because like, for one, I think there was like something that was, he was inspired by to go down that direction, but you were also seeing how everybody responded to it. Like it wasn't just like for the sake of being interesting, you were getting an introduction into all of those characters who like, and it was this bizarre conversation to be having about the song, like a virgin, what that, what it was actually all about, especially for a group of criminals for a group of criminals. And you're like, what's going on? This is a weird conversation. Now you get to see how everybody, like everybody's like input on the whole thing, right? Like it wasn't just for the sake of being interesting. I always that, hate that. That's always such a, yeah. like we've talked, it's we've covered confusion. this a number of times, but it's like interesting for the sake of being interesting is like, it's like if you find, if you ever catch yourself going down that road, like just stop, stop what you're doing take a few steps back, restart because it's like yeah. interesting it, for the sake of interesting is all it, it. I don't know if there's anything that ever comes out of that. That's good necessarily. I agree. I think also that that first conversation could have been about really anything. Yeah. And the thing is, is that that's the point people miss is that, um, I think, you know, and I don't know, maybe you can translate this into, into songwriting, but writing is that usually the indirect path is the best path to take, Mm. not the direct one. And so the thing that, the thing that I think has been enhancing my writing and I can go even further with it than I have, but is to stop going so direct. And I mean, it sounds so simple, but it's so easy to try to go straight down the path that you think you need to go down. Yeah. But what Tarantino did with the reservoir dogs is you know, movie is he, um, you know, he went an indirect path very well. And I think the problem is, is like when people interpret work, they, they look at the indirect path and they go, Oh, he made an interesting choice. But like simply he did the principle of indirection, the principle in writing of don't ever say what you really mean. Don't ever like comment on how you feel like basically the, it's like the improv. It's like, never say no. You basically can do anything you want. Just don't do this. And he basically yeah. honored that rule. You can go, you can go around any way you want to go. Yeah. Cause there's a, cause like there's a greater point to the conversation than the conversation yeah. itself. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, I'm still learning that lesson as a writer myself. I mean, even as we're talking about this, I'm thinking like, I'm thinking back to my writing. I'm going, yeah, like how many scenes I could, I could change 
with the principle of indirection. But you know, when you get into writing, it's kind of like that. You're kind of like, you know, when you're new, most of it's by chance. And then as you get better, you start to be like smarter about it. But like, you start to realize like where you went wrong. You're like, why isn't the scene working? And then you're like, Oh, it's too direct. That's, and, and that's good advice. Yeah. You know, because people can go, well, you could change the dialogue or they, maybe they say this instead of that. And none of that shit matters. That's all effect management. Yeah. What you need to do is rewrite the scene, but rewrite it without the characters ever talking about how they feel or what they really mean. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the scene's interesting, but it's not that it's interesting because you made it interesting. It's interesting because you followed a principle that is more like, like, you know what I mean? That's more like, yeah, it's more real. It's more, at least for me, it's like in this example, it's like, this is more how, how life actually is. It's more how people actually are. Yeah. Um, I think, I feel like that principle is one of those things that indirect principle is kind of like in writing is one of those things where you can use it as a technique, but if you see how it relates to real life, it no longer becomes a technique. Yeah. Cause like, I think about a lot of the time, you know, like, uh, like dating or something like that. And you're out with somebody and you realize like, I really like this person or I really don't like this person, whatever it is. Yeah. But you don't say that, you know? Yeah. You're not going to, you know, you kind of like, you kind of go, okay, well, like, am I staying on this date or am I leaving this date or what am I going to do? And in a certain way you go, well, let's make the best of this night. We're out anyway. Yeah. You know? And I think that like, that's probably the more common choice or let's just end it. But like, if we're out anyway, and then who knows, you know, what's funny is like, maybe you feel like you don't really, you're not really getting along. All of a sudden you start kind of just going along with it and you find out you maybe like the person, but like, you don't know. Yeah. So it's all like, and it's that's kind of life. Right? Yeah. All these things that are going on under the surface. Bloodline's a terrific example of shit going on under the surface. People not talking about what's really fucking going on. Totally. <laughs> that's like, man, holy shit. That is completely about what's not being said. Um, and also having characters lie. That's when I always try to use, I always try to yeah. use the lie because we, we tend to believe what characters will say, but people lie all the time. Oh, absolutely. Especially when they're pressured. Yeah. And you know, but yeah. And, and, um, and the thing is too, especially with like, uh, like if you're directly in, in storytelling, if you're in, if you're a novelist or a screenwriter or what have you, it's like, you know, this whole thing of the indirect thing. It's like, yeah, it's, it's indirect and indirect and indirect until there's nowhere else to go, but to be direct. Right. Cause it's like, there are moments where it's required, but that's just like life. There's like, there's nowhere to go. You've just got to be f- fucking honest and there's no getting out of this situation and you just got to do it. And those are usually what we call like pivotal moments. Yeah. Um, and what's happening. I also want to say as well, in reservoir dogs, incredible characters in reservoir dogs. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, come on. Like there are so many very particular characters in that story. Yeah. He made definitive choices with the characters, which really served it, you know, that, I mean, when I, I think about it, like I think about Mr. Pink, which is played by Steve Buscemi, I think about him always complaining, not tipping kind of, you know, he was like a, he was like a, he was like a, a survivor, you know, like he was just like a, a guy who was just like clawed and just survived his way through totally stuff. Right. And he was like a, he's the kind of like, I mean, to me, I mean, when I interpret that character, kind of this bottom feeder, like scrapes for the scraps yeah, totally. and he's hanging on to a little pride that he has kind of thing. Yeah. And then you look at Mr. White and, and he's written like 
he's a cool guy, but he's like, he's prototypical, like sociopath. I mean, he's the guy that like, not white, no blonde. No, no. Blonde is a sociopath. Mr. Blonde who cuts off the ear. Was that Mr. Blonde? Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, it was. That was Mr. Blonde. Blonde. Mr. Yeah. White was kind of the was more Harvey Keitel, yeah, right? Was the more the straight guy. Yeah. Was more the level headed. Was Mr. Black? Was he was Mr. like. Black? <coughs> well, Mr. White was the experienced criminal who did the smart thing. He was the guy that was like reason, and that yeah. was his character's point, you know. And then I'm pretty sure it was Mr. Blonde who comes in and cuts off. I think off you're the right. Air. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. But anyway, whatever. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But he's like fucking like a, just a bull in a china shop. And he was like, uh, you know, hit his whole character, at least the guy who cuts out the ear, his whole character was, he's weirdly admirable, but that's like, but he's, he is the scary criminal. He's the guy that will do anything to make sure the job gets done. And he, yeah. he has no boundary. Yeah. He's and like, almost no empathy. Yeah. Like maybe no empathy. Ethics and morals are, completely go, go out the door. Right. Like, it's just like, and they go out the door very quickly. And like, so like, he's yeah. like, yeah. And, and so like the Harvey Keitel character, Mr. White and Mr. Blonde are an interesting dynamic because in some ways, Mr. White's morals and ethics in a criminal world are part of what gets him into trouble. You yeah. Know? And, and, but it's interesting because they're in a world that we're not very familiar mm-hmm. with. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a fascinating movie that way because really, I mean, all the guys who are the main characters, all these Mr. White, Mr. Whatever, um, they're all, they're all making the story so interesting because they're informing the whole story. And, you know, and I think that there, I think that story that kind of comes from character as opposed to character that comes from story more so like, like 75% like character, 25% story is probably better than 75% story and then, or plot and then 25% character. But, um, you know, I kind of wanted to tile this back. The reason why I brought all this story stuff out, cause I'm always going to go there. It's my knowledge, but I wanted to kind of relate this back to your music creation process. Right. Is like, how does this relate to you as a musician? Like, where do you start? And like, I mean, what, what, where do you think you're going to, I mean, you're going to do it. Yeah. You got a week, Somehow. you're going to do it. So what are you going to do? <laughs> What's going to be your process? What are you going to try? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm honestly like, I'm, I'm just going to like, I have the melody, you know, I have it and I've got, I got a book, you know, to write in yeah. and I'm basically, I'm, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to play, I'm going to play the music. Um, and I'm going to, I'm not going to try and direct it too much in terms of like, I guess sort of manipulation or say like, Oh, I want to go in this place. I'm not going to try and direct it too much. I'm, I'm going to try and work with those impressions that I'm getting with the feelings that I'm getting. I think that's kind of one of the great things about music. Like even for how you describe your experience of listening to music, I feel like I'm, I'm very similar in that way is that I, I, I hear it first for the, for the music. I hear it first for the melody. Is this something that is pleasing to me? Not to say it's got to be a happy sound, but it's got to be musically pleasing. Um, something, there's just got to be something about it. Um, 
Yeah. So it's like, I'm just going to work from, from that. And it's like, what are the, what are the feelings, the impressions? What are the things that are kind of, that it's evoking from me, Mm. I guess. And then just let that inform the lyrics because yeah, that's yeah. Sorry to get around. I kind of got a little bit, there was a whole point that I was trying to (laughs) try to make there is that, um, the, the great thing about music is, is that, is that it evokes something from you that is not necessarily, you have to consciously will up. It's one of the things I like so far that I've discovered about making music is that it's like, well, you like the, the, the sound itself is kind of its own thing. In many ways, the sound itself is, has its own, its own life and its own aliveness where that's a little bit different than having to maybe just like sit down and, and come up with a story or something. Maybe there's, there's parallels. Maybe, you know, it's like that, that image from the movie or something that gets stuck in your head. You get this image in your head of a scene or something, you know, that's almost the melody that you get. Right. And, and that's what informs the rest of it. So for the music, it's like the melody informs the lyrics. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm just going to try and honestly put that out there. I'm also going to not try and necessarily make it fit like really tightly and like, as far as like making it rhyme and making it have a certain rhythm like I'm going to obviously try for me, rhythm is more important than rhyme necessarily in music. Mm. Cause I've heard great musicians, people who I love who don't necessarily make shit rhyme. Right. You know, it's one of those things that like, I find that can actually make music really boring. Right. And really, uh, limited and predictable is that, Oh, it's got a rhyme. Mm. You know, it's got to have, it's got to rhyme at the end of it. It's like, well, why the fuck does it have to rhyme? Yeah. You know, there's like, I've heard plenty of musicians who it's like, no, it doesn't have to rhyme. The rhythm is more important. Like it's got to sort of fit within like how the music moves, Hmm. right? It's got to work within that. It's got to work within the phrasing, but rhyming, I'm not going to be too concerned with that. So I'm just going to try and let the, as the words that kind of want to come out, the ideas and the feelings that want to come out, come out. And I'm just going to get that down. And then once that's down, I can start to refine it right afterwards. So I'm very similar to writing a script or it's like, just get that first draft out, just get it out. Just get the bones of this thing out there. And then you'll tweak. Cause otherwise I'll just sit there and I'll just like, you know, dick around with two fucking lines of a song for, for way too long yeah. and still be unhappy with it. And then I never like that you have like half a song written, you know, and some of the best poems that I've heard and read don't run. Yeah. And you know, and I started writing poetry and stuff and like when I was younger and, um, yeah. And I, uh, you know, initially I started to rhyme all my poems and stuff like that. And like, there was a certain kind of, I think there's a certain kind of skill to figure out how to rhyme and you have yeah. to work with words. It gives a certain sense of completion to, to a verse. Yeah. You know, I, I, I understand that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think that, yeah, I, 
I don't think you need to tie yourself down to it either. Yeah. It's kind of like the way movies are too, is like, uh, they don't have to have an up or a down ending or anything, you know, like they can have an incomplete ending and they can have, they can end with a kind of mostly good, but kind of a sting, you know, or they can end mostly bad, but with kind of a silver lining. Yeah. You know, there's many different ways for things to play out. Um, so yeah, I think keeping it open-ended is, you know, keeping yourself free to go, let me figure out what the song tells me it'll, it's going to be, Yeah. as opposed to like, I'm going to determine what it'll be. Um, I'm getting low on my beer. So yeah, we've been drinking quick. We have been. What do you think? This is, uh, it's really good. It's rich. Yeah, it's rich. It's rich. Like it's like, it's not a, uh, a beer that's hard to drink. It's surprising like, how rich it is and you can drink it quickly. It's so rich. <laughs> like I, like this is some, I feel like this has got to be some kind of a Belgian style, style beer. Like for sure. Like, um, but I'm just not entirely sure what that might be. <laughs> Maybe not like, I mean, I suppose it could be like a kind of like a Saison or something. <laughs> well, I really threw you for a loop, but it's, <laughs> you don't know. I have no idea. Like it's <laughs> so cloudy. It's so, <laughs> that's hard to do after all the beers we've had for us to throw each other for a loop. Yeah. I don't know what I'm drinking really, but you like it. I like it. I do like it. It's, I feel like it's kind of high in alcohol actually too. But does it taste like it's high in alcohol? No, not, it doesn't really, but like I, from experience, a beer that tastes this rich usually is kind of alcoholic. Well, it is a strong beer. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's craft and brewed in Port Moody. Um, this one is called the breadwinner multi-grain IPA and it's from twin sales brewing. It's a limited release as well. And it's 6.5% alcohol. It's called the breadwinner. Okay. Multi-grain IPA. It's yeah. really good. Kind of hoppy. It's, uh, they, they said, that they said, they said that it would be very much like what it is. Um, it, it's like an IPA, but it's not as hoppy as like your usual IPA. Right. Um, but it has, um, it's like a, a wheat IPA or something. Mm. Yeah. So it's like, it's got <clears throat> hops and, and wheat and oat and yeast and all that, but that's what gives it that kind of fogginess. And I think and richness, also yeah. it's, it's kind of the, it's called breadwinner cause it's supposed to have that kind of like body to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good. Yeah. So there you go. It's real good. And for <laughs> what brewery is that? So, uh, this one is, um, uh, twin sales brewing, twin sales and brewing. I think that's Port, the first Moody BC. I, we haven't had one from twin sales brewing. I, have we? I think we've had one other one from oh, them. I okay. think it was called the supernova Superflux. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the one okay. from, from, from them before. Yeah. I, I think we've only familiar. had one beer with them before. That sounds very familiar. But, uh, anyway, uh, this one's pretty good, huh? Yeah. Yep. 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 <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. I'm going to open up another can. While All right. Um, I'm glad we didn't do two cans on the podcast cause I feel like we'd be kind of messed up. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's been like an hour of talking and, we haven't at any point kind of defined what we're talking about. No, but I feel like this talk has been a lot about 
a lot about like the process of, you know, the process of going about creating your artistry, you know, and, um, where to kind of put your focus or your attention on and, um, you know, not making, not kind of allowing almost more of an internal thing to kind of guide you more than all of these external ideas. And like what I'm getting from it is as we're going through this, I'm thinking about you, you're just venturing into this creating, you know, your own song and all of that. And I'm thinking about that and I'm going, okay, well, when I started as a screenwriter, I didn't really know a lot about screenwriting. And I simply started writing and the story kind of dis- I discovered the story as I went. Um, right. and so I'm thinking that there's kind of this process of discovery that I'm kind of tapping into again as a screenwriter. Cause I went off and I learned how to screenwrite. I went off, I did, you know, I read all the books, did courses, whatever, learned from mentors, but eventually like, and, and, you know, I've gone down the road of being paid and all that stuff as a writer. But what I've ultimately come back to is kind of the same place I started, which is let the story tell itself, Yeah. but have enough tools in your bag so that when the story is telling itself, you know how to kind of rein it in a little. Cause it, yeah. to me, story now is more like a wild horse and I don't want to break its will by like breaking it, but I want to like keep it somewhat on track. So with the last story I wrote in particular, the, the thing that I learned was, okay, let the characters tell the story, but have enough plot, have enough kind of know where it starts, know where it ends and kind of know a couple points in the middle so that no matter how far off the story gets, you kind of still know where you're going. Yeah. And that to me was enough to kind of keep direction. Yeah. And so I, I'm thinking maybe like, that's kind of what we're talking about is like you creating know, a song is a little bit like that too, probably. You, you know, word just popped into my head about all of this. What's that? Sensibility. Okay. You know, to me, I think that's like, that might not sound like a very exciting word. (laughs) (laughs) Sensibility. But I think, I, I think, I think it is a very kind of important word when it comes to this whole thing of art and industry and, you know, uh, and technique and, and all of this stuff is because I think that you, you learn the technical sides of your craft because when you come out of it, hopefully you come out of it with a sensibility about it. Hmm. So it's no longer about technique. It's no longer like it becomes technique becomes, you sense things, you know, like it's the, cause to me, the operative word of that is sense, right? You sense all of these things. You're not necessarily tied to it. You're not limited to it, but you have a sense of them hmm. in your work. You go, okay. Okay. I feel like, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, so yeah, this, this, this is actually a little almost bit of like a sensitivity, a too. sensitivity, like, yeah. and it's, and this is a great thing because I've heard that even the mind is a sense, which it isn't always described hmm. that way. Right. But thinking and our thought is, is just another sense that we have in the world. And as opposed to necessarily being the ultimate guiding force to us. <laughs> and, uh, 
<laughs> you, you know, no one saw this really, aside from maybe a few people. But <laughs> it's like it looked like Brandon had like a sneeze happen in there, and he's just like, Ugh. yeah, the sense. Um, yeah, <laughs> but it's you know you you begin to have because I have also found this within my journey as as an artist and having done different things is that you begin to discover within your own, within like your own ideas and inspirations, plus having learned outside things, having learned techniques and things that were kind of brought to you. Um, and then out of that, you create a sensibility about it where you go, it's like, okay, I'm not necessarily going to do that. I'm going to go down this way, but this is in the back of my mind. I have a sense that this, this is something that's, that may, may be important for this to be incorporated. And it becomes your, I think it's important that we turn technique into something that's a little bit more malleable as opposed to rules. It's something that bends and twists and it's like, and, and we can do that as it's called for. Mm. But, you know, I think that that's, that might be kind of like the ultimate sort of blend of artistry and, and technique is, is become sensibility. Mm. There might be some other words for it, but yeah, not to get so locked down into one or the other, because I mean, artistry just like left completely unchecked. It can create some very interesting things, but it can also really, um, uh, what's the, I'm trying to think of the word for it. Like it it doesn't necessarily let people in sometimes when it gets like when artists, you just kind of allowed to go completely off the rails. You can be, that's fascinating. I have no necessarily attachment. I don't really know what it's saying or what it's doing or like there's, it it lacks a certain precision, right? That can be required. Hmm. Whereas something that goes too far on like a technical structural level is just like, it's, it's uninspired. It's uninteresting. It's unmoving. It's just like, it's completely utilitarian. So when they blend, they become a sensibility. Hmm where it's just like, it's neither this, neither that. It's like, we know both of these and they're both required. There's, there's an understanding that you begin to develop because I've said that often of artists and, and I think I've said it even like, uh, I've said it of you, like in other conversations, like I've had, where I'm just like, I'm just like, I know you have a sense Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, it was like not that long ago. I said like, I trust, I'm like, I trust your sensibilities when you like with the next draft that you do. Mm. Right. And I think I told you trust your sensibility because it's like, and that goes into your intuition. It's like, yeah, it's also like a blend of intuition and knowledge, right? Like you're, it's becomes this whole other thing that's like, I feel like I'm just on, I'm a, I'm a fucking record right now. <laughs> just like a, a skipping sensibility. record. Sensibility people, just fucking sensibility. Like, well, you know, I think also like 
writing what you know in the beginning is the most important thing to do. Um, not trying to write, um, too far outside of what you know, initially. I mean, when I was, when I wrote my first short novel, I wrote it, um, in school and a teacher kind of got us to write these short novels or whatever, these novel novellas or whatever. Right. Um, and I wrote this story about a hockey player and I didn't really know this part so much about the NHL. So there may, maybe was some inaccuracies, but it's about a player who was drafted, um, in high school to go to the NHL. And he was like a top prospect kind of player. And, um, he basically was like, you know, on a pretty big team and all of this and part of his contract and stuff, you know, whatever was about playing a certain number of games, you get a bonus and whatever partway through the season in this, he hurts his knee or he hurts, uh, I think it's his knee and he's having trouble playing, but instead of taking the games off to heal, he keeps trying to play to like get his bonus and all this and ends up causing himself career ending damage. Right. Um, and his career is kind of before it's even really blossomed is kind of ended. And it's really about this. The story is really about a son and his, and their father and their relationship mm. and his father, um, kind of being supportive, but also like kind of not really being supportive of the hockey and all of this. I mean, which was kind of what I was living at the time. <laughs> I mean, playing hockey and playing in pretty high divisions and kind of wanting yeah. to go down that road. And then, you know, my dad was never really for that, but he was very like pro education and all of this. And so I wrote out this story about what it would be. Well, anyway, I aced the project. It was a great little novel. Um, and that story, um, my teacher was like, this is a really great story. And it really inspired me to get into writing and all this. I didn't even know I would go into movies after that. That was still wasn't even really the plan. Mm -hmm. It was just a little novel. My next novel I was going to write, and I shared this before was going to be about, um, so I really knew that story, but my next novel was going to be about an African American kid that was in a predominantly white school. And his struggles, and he was young, like elementary school, but his struggles about kind of fitting in and having certain experiences that, you know, and I don't really know much about what it's like for African American kid in elementary school because I'm not, but I know what it's like to be ostracized from my peers. I know what it's like to be excluded. I know what it's like to kind of have kids, um, you know, just be jerks, like for, I feel like reasons that weren't anything personal, but like biases that they had because of the right. life I've lived, which is, I think when I remember thinking about writing that story, I'm like, it's so interesting that I was going to write that story, but cause it seems like it's something I don't know, but really I look back and I'm like, I knew all about the struggle of the character, but mm. I didn't necessarily know the racial things, but the fact that I wanted to take on a racial issue and not really having a lot of experience with that, but just being kind of called to do that. My, my, my moral of the story is that for writers or, or songwriters or any artist out there, I think you've got to start with something, you know, and I think sometimes emotional things are the answers to writing things that seem so far outside of your box. Like, mm. cause the hockey thing was very obvious. I mean, I was playing hockey I had my dad who wasn't very supportive of it, pro education. I mean, that was all like, I knew that I didn't really know about the NHL, but I mean, I watched drafts and, and other players and things like that. So I had some knowledge about it, but 
writing about this Afri- African-American kid in, in elementary school in a predominantly white school, I mean, was not something that I had personal experience with, but I had an emotional experience with. Mm. So my point is, is that I think that as writers, we need to write what we know or creators, even artists, I guess we need to do what we know, but then we need to, if we're doing something that's very different outside of what we think we know, we need to see how we know that. Yeah. We need to find emotionally how that's the same for us in some way. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very interesting because it's by using some like very human, like universally human, um, things that we've had experience with, we have the ability to use our imaginations to tap into something that's maybe a little bit outside of our own lives and maybe gain a new understanding of something. I think that's also a huge, like, um, kind of, it can be like a side benefit of being an artist is that you can, you can dive into something that's different from you, but you still need to have that sort of that access point that is common. That is a tying thread. Um, that's personal. That's personal to that, that can sort of almost like transmute you or, or teleport you within, into a world that maybe you're completely unfamiliar with, but there's this thread that connects it. And so because you have that connecting thread with it, you're able to develop a deeper understanding beyond what you might've had before. And I think that that's, yeah, I think that's awesome. I guess that's a huge thing. I mean, I know, um, when I, you know, spending a bunch of time as an actor learning about, um, you know, getting, doing emotional preparations and stuff, getting yourself into an emotional state before you step out on into a scene and learning how to do that. Like for stuff that I've never really had necessarily a super strong, like personally feeling of, right. But being able to imagine a circumstance so powerfully enough for me that I've been able to throw myself into it. Yeah. Into an emotional experience of something that I've never encountered before. But Maybe that's how you need to write your next song. Throw yourself into an emotional experience and like just let the lyrics come out of that. Yeah. I, I think that's you write. You, yeah. It's yeah. like you just, yeah. And just get on the boat. I think that's what we got to do. I mean, I, I, you know, I think that it's, th- it's about throwing ourselves in that emotional experience. You know, I, the only reason why I didn't write that, um, I mean, I was only, I wasn't writing because I wanted to be a writer then I was only writing because I kind of had a little bit of a knack for it back then. And it was more for like school and whatever. And I would write a little bit here and there, but I, I kind of, I still am kind of called to write that story about this young African-American kid in elementary school who's been ostracized. I don't know why it came to me. I don't know why the story knocked on my conscious mind. Yeah. I, I don't even know where that came from. I'm not sure, but how old I still, were you when you, when you were uh, 15, 14 years old? Very interesting. It was 14 years yeah. old. Yeah. And, and it like, uh, and so to me, I, I mean, it was, it's interesting to me that I was called to write that story. You know what I mean? 13, 14, somewhere around there. Anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I, you know, I don't know. I, I think like, I think it's about, 
with story and creation and artistry and all that stuff, I think it begins with like, what are you called to do? I think that's yeah. the first thing we got to go. Like, like there's something that I'm interested in. I'm kind of called towards doing right now or writing or creating or singing about or whatever. I think that's where we got to begin. And then the technical stuff comes in just to help you assist, figure out how do I put that together? How do I make this work into some kind of thing, you know? Um, but I, I think that if we start too much from structure, we start too much from like craft fitting in the emotional side to that is a lot harder to do. I think it's doable probably, but it's like, you know, it's not ideal. And I think when you're beginning and you're not being hired to write stuff and you don't, aren't forced to do anything, I think what you really want to do is write what you know and write what you want to know, regardless of what you think other people will think of it first, create that first before you have the pressures of what you think other people will want. Because I think as you get further into the industry side of things, the more pressures come up about what you're supposed to do, what you have to do, what you need to do. And I think if you don't learn those initial lessons of doing it for you first, I think that it's very hard to have confidence and belief in your own voice Mm -hmm. later. So, you know, as I've gone through this talk, I mean, I guess that's what I've kind of, I guess that's really the, the message that I've kind of gotten from all this is like, have confidence in your own sensibility, you know, as opposed to like trying to do what you think you need to do first start with having confidence in your own sensibility. And then after you've built that confidence, then venture out, you know, and try to meet the industry a little bit more. But if you don't ever meet you yourself with your own artistry, I think that you're always going to be fighting an uphill battle. Yeah. It's, it's a much easier battle to begin from, from, yeah, your own place, your own sensibility, your own truth and, and desire, and then refine that as opposed to create something refined and then now try and like find like your, where you are in it. Like that's like, it's just a very backwards way of working, um, that a lot of us have bought into. I think of it kind of like, artistry is kind of like, and I don't like this analogy the most, but it's the best I got right now, but it's like crude oil. It's like crude oil. You can't use it really as it is. It's valuable, but it's crude and it's like raw and it's not really developed. Yeah. Um, but like, I think artistry is kind of like crude oil in that sense. It's, it's something that you pull from the ground, you fucking find it and you fucking pull it out and you have it. And now industry is like, okay, now what do we do with that? But if you start with industry, you go, I'm going to sell a whole bunch of oil, but I don't have any. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Now you're selling fucking snake oil. Yeah. Because you don't have the real fucking crude emotional oil that needs to come out of you. Totally. And so I think it's kind of like, you got to dig into your depths a little bit. You got to find something inside of you. It's not all that pretty when it comes out at first but you'll make it pretty, but you got something of value cause it's real. Yeah. But I think if you don't pull that real thing out of you in the beginning, you really are selling snake or you're selling bullshit. You're selling something that isn't anything. Mm-hmm. So I think my message at the end of this and the thing I'm walking away with myself is like, I'm going to, you know, I would say to everybody else is like, pull the real thing out of you. Don't worry about if it's pretty or usable right now. Just pull the real thing out of you and then start with that and then work with that. Yeah. And so what I'm going to do moving forward, um, is 
cause I'm making this film over the next month here. So, I mean, I'm just going to keep kind of pulling out the crude oil, the crude, crude artist creativity. Just keep pulling that out. The yeah. crude artistry, pull that out. I'll refine it as it happens. But for the time being, I'm going to trust that what's inside of me, what's been calling me this project. Um, and it's not perfect. And I think that's been a hard thing for me moving forward. This process is like, yeah. I want it to be perfect. Um, of course but, we all want it to be perfect. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to kind of let that go and just kind of, you know, uh, like trust that I'll figure it out. Yeah. But first what I need to do is dive into my soul a little bit, bring that stuff out and like, let that be the substance because yeah. it hasn't really gone wrong. You know, it hasn't been perfect. It hasn't looked pretty all of it, yeah. but, and you know, I look at even I'm redrafting the script. I'll probably, by the time I send you guys all the scripts, I'll be on the third draft now. Yeah. And the first draft I was really happy with, but refining it has been important too. Yeah. You know, I could have sent it. I was ready to send it to you guys as the first draft. Yeah. But I'm glad I'm refining it. A little. Yeah. And it's Absolutely. probably still going to need some more refinement, but that's okay. I'm really glad where it's at, at a crude artist, like vulnerable, real level. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm learning to trust that. Yeah. So I, I would say that the thing that this conversation has kind of helped me reinforce was like, yeah, trust that. That's okay. Yeah. You know, at least you got, at least I know I got something that's of substance somewhere in there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. For me, my takeaway on this one was something that you said earlier that came out from this most recent script that you wrote. Okay. Um, and I'm going to take it, take it that with me as I go into, to sit down and write this song. Um, that for this week is that it's simpler than I'm making it. It's simpler than I'm making it out to be. So if I get stuck, if or if I'm getting stuck on something, I'm going to remind myself, it's like, this is simpler than you're, than you're making it out to be because it is, hmm. it's far simpler. You know, it's like, if it's, if I'm getting stuck, it's probably for, at least for me specifically, <laughs> it's because <laughs> I'm thinking it's got to be all kinds of, of things. Right. And it's like, no, it doesn't have to be all kinds of things. It's just got to be honest, which that's kind of simple. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my, that, that's it. And that's, that's my biggest takeaway from this one. So I like it actually, your, your final note helps me too, because I think a lot of this stuff is so, so simple that I'm making it more complicated than it is even with production and all that stuff. Yeah. Like it's much more simpler than I'm making it be as well. So that helps me move forward as well. So awesome. Sweet, man. Good talk. Good, good beer. Talk. Good talk. Um, high fives. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody keep it simple. And go with substance. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.